The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Bethard to throw. Wants the screen. He's got Wadley. Little slip. Oh, nice move by Wadley. And for the touchdown. That was a gorgeous move. Back inside. Kevin, that's running with your eyes. Few people can do what he just did right there. And what a giant touchdown for the Iowa Hawkeyes, who had shown no signs of life until this drive. 75 yards. How about this one? From Akram Wadley. A little zig, a little zag, and into the end zone for Iowa's first score. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring Scott Docterman, who previews this week's blackout game against the Michigan Wolverines and looks back at the Hawks' devastating loss at Penn State. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Michigan's Jim Harbaugh. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which includes sports reporter Scott Docterman of LandOf10.com, Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, plus our own Tyler Chumeland and Jack Bransgard. Game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Kevin Kugler and Matt Mellon. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeye's mic programs are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years. The Iowa Hawkeyes host highly ranked and explosive Michigan at Kinnick Stadium Saturday night in a nationally televised game on ABC. The Hawkeyes limped back to Iowa City early last Sunday morning after a humiliating 41-14 thrashing at Penn State, one of the worst defeats and most lopsided games in the Ferentz era. Michigan, on the other hand, is undefeated, including a 59-3 thrashing of Maryland just last Saturday in Ann Arbor. Michigan hasn't just defeated its opponents this season. It has dominated them on both offense and defense. Conversely, Iowa has struggled and been inconsistent on both sides of the ball all year. The Hawkeyes are just 5-4 and four overall, 3-3 three and three in Big Ten play, and they're out of the running to defend their West Division title. Michigan is 9-0, including 6-0 in the conference, and the only close games were a 14-7 win over Wisconsin in Ann Arbor and a 32 32- 23 win at Michigan State. Every other game in one form or another has been a blowout. One unusual fact, this is the first game this season that the Wolverines have played outside of the state of Michigan. Michigan holds a 41-14-4 advantage in this series, which began all the way back in 1900, while Iowa has won the last three meetings, including 24-21 in 2013. It is only 7-16-1 all-time in games played at Kinnick State. You have to go all the way back to 2005 when Michigan last won in Iowa City, a 23-20 overtime victory, which also snapped Iowa's school record 22-game home winning streak at that time. Perhaps the most famous game in this series, at least from Iowa's perspective, was in 1985 when the top-ranked Hawkeyes under Hayden Fry kicked a last-second field goal to beat second-ranked Michigan 12-10. 
The Wolverines are ranked third in the college football playoff rankings, second in the Associated Press poll, and third in the coaches poll. The last time Iowa beat a ranked team at home was back in 2011 when it defeated then 13th ranked Michigan 24-16. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is in his 18th year heading the Hawkeyes program. His record at Iowa is 139-91, which ranks him seventh all-time in the Big Ten Conference in both overall coaching victories as well as conference wins. He needs just two more wins to tie former Michigan coach Lloyd Carr for sixth all-time in Big Ten wins. Jim Harbaugh is in his second season at Michigan with a record there of 19-3. He's in his ninth season as a college head coach overall, and his record is 77-30. Harbaugh lived in Iowa City when his father Jack was a defensive assistant for the Hawkeyes from 1971-73. He also quarterbacked for the Wolverines against Iowa at Kinnick Stadium in that famous 1985 game. After this contest, the Hawkeyes go on the road to Illinois, renewing the Big Ten West portion of their schedule. They then finish out the regular season on Black Friday by hosting Nebraska. Iowa needs one more win to become bowl eligible. Michigan returns home next Saturday to host the Indiana Hoosiers. In tidbits and nuggets, Saturday's contest is the annual blackout game at Kinnick Stadium. The Hawkeyes are playing under the lights at Kinnick for just the 14th time and have won their last three home night games. Overall, they are 9-4 and four under the lights at Kinnick. This game will be televised, as I said, by ABC to a national audience with its top announced crew, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, and Sam Ponder. As usual, radio coverage will be provided by the Hawkeye Radio Network with Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks. You can also listen on Satellite Radio, XM Channel 84, and Sirius Channel 84. While Michigan only has one Iowan on its roster, starting wide receiver Amara Darbo from West Des Moines Dowling, the Hawkeyes have several Michigan natives currently on their roster. They include cornerback Desmond King, quarterback Tyler Wiggers, and defensive end Cedric Lattimore. All right, I'm out of here. Uh, I hear that asteroids machine calling my name from the game room, so peace. Fourth and two, and James Franklin will send the field goal unit off. That's exactly what Iowa needed right there. So now you're going to send it to a field goal, and at least you give yourself a chance. Tyler Davis on for a 30-yarder. This from 30 to make it a 10-0 ball game. That's blocked. That one is blocked. There's a win. And it's a 7-0 lead still for Penn State as the Hawkeyes get a huge special teams play. They needed a play, and Iowa... With a great push, Josie Jewell may have gotten a fingertip on that one. Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who was asked if his team is still confident, sticking together, and headed in the right direction. You know, it's all the little things that you evaluate starting in January. Just uh, are they doing things right? A lot of times it's off the field more than on the field. Uh, just little details, keeping the locker room clean, academic appointments, medical appointments, all those things. And, you know, it's really been a low-maintenance team, you know, knock on wood. But uh, they've been that way since January. They work well and they practice well. They've had two good practices thus far. And that's all you can ask for. And they're attentive in meetings, you know, and outside of that, there's not much else there. But the guys are, I think they're all committed to uh, playing better. Certainly nobody was happy with Saturday. You know, confidence is something you earn. And that's what you do uh, through practice, through doing all the little things right, practicing well, meeting well. Then you got to go out and compete. And we didn't compete well the other night. So, you know, we got hit right on the chin. And it's happened before. And the whole challenge is to get back up on your feet and go back to work. And we certainly have to do it this week because the team we play will, you know, they're going to be a big challenge for us. I think everybody's feeling better a year ago at this time. You know, we were 9-0. 
and uh, we had momentum, everything was going well. And, and the bottom line is usually it's very little things, especially with our team historically. You know, all I can speak to is the last 17 plus years, uh, but historically it's a real fine line. And for us, uh, we really have to be doing everything right. We've got to be relatively uh, healthy and, uh, you know, you got to make your own breaks in the, in the course of the games, that type of thing. So, you know, when I look at our team and uh, look at the way they operate, all you can do as a coach is ask them you know, to do their best. And I think our guys are doing that. Uh, you know, we, we got the other night was very similar to Arizona State. Only Arizona State was, I, I think, the most inept performance I've been around in 17 years. So those things are going to happen. Nobody likes it. You got to get back up on your feet and push forward. After Iowa was blown out by Penn State, some nits in postgame comments said that Iowa's players quit in the second half. Kirk was asked if he observed that. I'm not offering any commentary. One thing I always try to be very careful of and uh, really encourage our players to be careful of is speaking for other people. Uh, I think that's a really dangerous thing, thing sometimes. And, you know, I, I didn't read that quote, but I, I'm guessing if you were at Arizona State after the game in 04, maybe you were. Probably a few of their players probably said the same thing. I mean, there, there was nothing. That was the worst beating I think I've been involved with. Uh, and we've had a few, I mean, going back historically. But that, that game was, you know, yet yeah, I think if you looked at a 2004 football team, first word that would come to mind for me would be heart. I mean, that was what that team was all about. So, you know, in life you have peaks, you have valleys. We all do individually, collectively. I mean, that's, that's real life. That's just the way it goes. And if you go out and compete in sports against good oppositions, you know, you're going you're to experience the good and the bad. Hopefully the good. You know, there's no guarantee there, but I guarantee you you're probably going to go through the bad. And, and it really gets back to, you know, how do you respond? What's your, what's your day-to-day reaction to it? Uh, you know, again, just going back to the point I made earlier, you know, about teams dividing. That's, that's certainly a, a byproduct of losing sometimes. It happens. And you know, I've seen that, witnessed it. It's no fun to be around. Or, or you guys pull together and, uh, you know, you keep working hard towards a uh, common goal. And that's, that's what this thing's about. I have not witnessed anything, but I, I don't see all, do all, but uh, I, I see a lot. Ferentz was asked about Iowa's defensive problems at Penn State, especially given how the Nittany Lions were able to run up the score and post extremely impressive offensive numbers. You know, a couple of things I said last week, they, they really uh, do a good job of putting pressure on. The biggest change, you know, from my little vantage point uh, looking at Penn State, last couple of weeks they've really uh, involved the quarterback more in the running game. So when, when you have a back like we faced, and we just talked about a really good return guy, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember the time we've seen a back. All of these, these guys have good backs too, but uh, Barkley's an outstanding uh, running back. So you've got him to contest with, and then you've also got a quarterback that can bring it out the other direction. They just put a lot of pressure on you in the fact that they throw the ball well down the field. Put a lot of pressure on a defensive football team, and I think uh, you know I think what you're seeing there, time will tell. But a team that's really you know starting to, to gain some momentum. So it was disappointing, no question. You're, you're not going to win consistently giving up that kind of rush yardage. And I, I made that comment a month ago. One of the most positive things is that we've we've done a better job this path past month. Now we got to you know try to get back on that on that train there and uh, ride it a little bit more. And given that Iowa is an overwhelming underdog in Saturday night's game, Ferentz was asked how his Hawkeyes might be able to take advantage of anything that Michigan might give them. Not much. <laughs> I mean, I, I say that jokingly, but I say it in all seriousness, too. It's it's really hard to find many cracks uh, or, or uh, weaknesses. And, uh, you know, the statistics, statistics don't always tell the whole story. If you go through the Big Ten stats, it's hard to find any category where they're not in the top two or three. It just, uh, it's just, it's all deserved and earned. They're a really veteran. They got a lot of key veteran players, a lot of seniors play very well. Uh, not only talented, they're well coached, and they, and they play consistently well. That That's the thing that really, to me, jumps out. And you look at nine games, typically there's some... You know, some ups and downs, that type of thing. But it's really hard to find too many. Uh, they, they've really, I say, albeit, I think they were down, uh, what it was, 14 nothing at one point. That's for an entire, se- nine games, not an entire season, but nine games. Uh, you know, that doesn't happen much historically. Uh, it doesn't happen to many teams. So it's a real credit to them. They're, they're, uh, you know, they're really playing well right now. It's a new week, new.
new game, new opportunity, and uh, you know we, we can't worry about that. And we've had other instances historically too where you know we, we've uh, you know done okay in those circumstances. All, all we can do is focus on what we can do, which is practice and prepare as hard as we can. Then we got to go out and compete on Saturday night, knowing, knowing that we're playing a really good football team. But we've we've played some good teams this year already. It's just you got to go out and do do as go all as you can, and then uh, you know go from there. But yeah, we almost have to play a mistake-free game, if you will. Uh, that, that's certainly a starting point because they're you know, they don't the door, open the door very often for you. Next, we hear from Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. Now, Michigan did not have a weekly press conference this past week due to President Obama's visit Monday to the campus in Ann Arbor. But Harbaugh did participate, as usual, in the weekly Big Ten Coaches Conference call. And, as is more often than not the case, his answers to questions from the media were, well weird. So we pulled out two of those, largely unedited, so you can get a feel for what he does typically in his interactions with the media. First, Harbaugh was asked to provide his assessment of this year's Iowa team and head coach Kirk Ferentz. Well, a very good team uh, that uh, won, their, won their conference last year and returned seven starters on defense with some all Big Ten players, all American players. Um, very, very good quarterback. Um, diverse schemes on both sides of the ball. You know, excellent team. I think he's a coach does a uh, incredible job. As good as uh, anybody in coaching, and we're going through it right now. You know, trying to find out where we can be successful, and it's not easy. Iowa has had difficulty in setting the edge from time to time in games this season, particularly with explosive dual-threat quarterbacks, as was the case last Saturday at Penn State. Now, defensively against Maryland last week, the Wolverines only gave up three points. But in the first half, if you could find one thing that Harbaugh was displeased with, it was setting the edge. So Harbaugh was asked about that. Uh, yeah, we, we, got, we, got to, we have to set an edge. We have to do a better job setting an edge. Really, that that simple, and uh, so that thing we we uh, we addressed at halftime, and and uh, we're going in the in the right direction as the second half. I mean that that the edge can be set by a linebacker, a, a defensive end, uh, or a secondary player. You have the you have, the, you have those options, and <clears throat> we. You know, as there's some times where we got uh, we didn't we didn't set it the way we should have, and um, yeah, get it corrected and move forward. On second down, Bethard, a dart picked up by Germanique Smith, and he's going to take it for the touchdown. And yeah, once you beat the safety, there's nothing there. Germanique Smith got to the inside of the safety, and it was six quick. Decent protection. He's able to see the corners hanging to the outside. And now the safety, if you beat him, and he fell. And once that happens, there's there's nothing there. 41-14, six and a half to play at Beaver Stadium. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on, up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. 
Time now for our weekly Reporter's Notebook show this week with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles online at landof10.com. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott looks back at the Penn State game, previews this Saturday's Michigan contest, and talks Big Ten. Scott, as usual, before we dive into the Iowa-Michigan game, let's take one quick last look back at last week's debacle at Penn State, a humiliating 41-14 to loss, and frankly, it wasn't as close as the score. Yeah, it was a pretty rough game. I mean, it was rough right from the get-go, and it was kind of an embarrassment, I thought, for Iowa. I mean, they had certain advantages against Penn State, but Penn State has made a lot of improvements, but things like uh, third-down conversions and time of possession were two areas where Penn State had struggled to going into that game, and yet Iowa blew it in both regards. Penn State held the ball for 435 minutes, converted half their first downs, ran the ball for 359 yards, and actually exceeded 600 yards at one point in the fourth quarter, but not, but then uh, you know was thrown for a loss there at the end to make it only 599. So yeah, this was a, an embarrassment for the, for Iowa. This was uh, and, and really it's hard to buy into this team based on what we saw Saturday night. Well, they're going from the proverbial frying pan to the fire this Saturday against Michigan in a blackout night game at Kinnick Stadium. So the atmosphere at the stadium, at least to start the game, should be electric. How long it stays that way is another is another question. Let's look first at Iowa's offense versus Michigan's defense. And this is a David and Goliath thing. And we're going to use a lot of numbers here just to kind of paint a picture. Iowa is eighth in the Big Ten in total offense, 118th nationally. On the other hand, Michigan is first in total defense in the Big Ten and first nationally. Iowa is 12th in the Big Ten now in rushing offense after the Penn State game. Michigan is second in rushing defense in the Big Ten and 10th nationally. Iowa's 93rd nationally in rushing offense. Then in passing, the Hawkeyes are 11th in the Big Ten, 106th nationally in terms of passing defense Michigan is first in the Big Ten and first nationally and you look at you go right on down the line whether it's scoring offense versus scoring defense third down conversions on offense third down conversions defense it is a horrible matchup first downs first downs offense and defense horrible matchup for Iowa every one of those comparisons the only little tiny sliver of light for the Hawkeyes is in red zone offense where they're still first in the Big Ten and eighth nationally the red zone defense Michigan however is first in the Big Ten, first in the nation. So is there any hope here for the Hawkeyes on offense? And if so, what is it that they need to do just in a global sense Saturday to have any chance at all? <laughs> Man, I wish I had all those answers. If I did, I'd be making $5 million a year. But uh, seriously, there, there's really not a whole lot that Iowa is going to be able to be successful at on Saturday night. I think you first and foremost, you started. Um, Iowa does have two good running backs. Both of them are ranked in in the top 10 in the Big Ten. LaShawn Daniels and Akron Watley. Both of them are capable of, of running the football. Iowa's offensive line has been suspect, but I think Iowa's offensive line is not terrible either. I don't, I've seen it worse. This is not one of the worst ones. However, I think this really comes down to the passing game. Iowa has, been, has failed to scare any opponent since the month of September and what it can do 
through the air. And part of that is just Matt Vandenberg's injury, now George Kittle's injury. They don't have any receivers there, but I think they're going to have to they're going to have to stretch the field. This is something that was discussed going into the Penn State game. It was discussed in the pregame. Heck, even Jerry Barta mentioned it on the pregame show that Iowa needed to stretch the field, and yet they didn't do it. I think they need to send one player on every pass route deep on every single route and maybe a connect a couple of times. If you can do that, if you can scare Michigan just a little bit, you might bump them off the line of scrimmage and you might be able to run. But the problem with Iowa has been not only a, 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 their dearth of talent, they don't have enough on offense, is the fact that they are so dang predictable in certain situations. Last week on third and one or third and two, every time they put in a second tight end and a fullback and ran it right up the middle and they got stopped every single time. If they do that this week, they're not only going to get stopped, they're going to get a, a loss of one or two yards on time they try it. You know, you've got to do something different and they don't. They refuse to. It's like they're so stubborn. They'd rather lose by a thousand points than try something different and uh, and see if it works. And and this is this perfect situation. I mean, I think I tweeted it three times during the game. They're in 22. This isn't going to work. And they did. And they did. And it didn't work either at the time. You know, they even tried it with the quarterback sneak and Jason Cabinda, you know, bent C.J. Beathard over backwards. So can't, what can they do? I think they need to the move the team get get them off the line of scrimmage it's like getting a batter off the plate you're gonna have to try to show them that you're capable of doing something and then if you do hit on it once maybe even twice then you might be able to run a little bit more but you've got to get out of those predictable sets otherwise it's going to be irrelevant part of the penn state game they talked about they meaning the players and the coaches having akram wadley and Lashawn daniels in the backfield simultaneously wadley in the slot and yet Last week at Penn State, when we saw that formation, they tried to run widely in jet sweeps that were totally stuffed. Now, Iowa did have some good screen pass plays last week against the Nittany Lions, and they had two explosive plays. One, the uh, Germanic Smith touchdown pass, and the other was Wadley's. And I think you talked earlier this week in landof10.com about how you can't run widely on those goofy jet sweeps. You've got to get him out on the edge, either via running or even passing, and then see what he can do after that. That's, you know, these jet sweeps are foreign to Iowa. They did a pretty good job of them two years ago with Jonathan Parker, who's still on the team. Uh, however, the, the problem has become, it just does, it looks like a foreign concept to them. I mean, whether it was the way Wadley ran it, but, you know, the other thing is the way they blocked. I mean, there was there were defenders all the way around it. It was like, oh, yeah, we know what they're going to try here. And then they did it. And, 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 and so to me, if you want to make it successful, because he was only on the field for three different time, two of which were jet sweeps. The other one was a fake jet sweep. You're going to have to do more out of it, whether that's a screen from the slot or that's throwing down the field or getting him more involved in the passing game. So when he's in the slot, they're not just going to say, hey, that's a jet sweep, but we know which way it's going to go. And when you have a a defense like Michigan's, who's so good anyway, I mean, it doesn't really matter. They're going to have people there to defend it. So they've got to, I think their best route with him is to try to get him in space somehow, whether that's a sweep from the backfield or that's him running pass routes from the slot. Uh, just do something that they're not prepared for, you know, because the jet sweep, that everybody could see that one coming when it when it first happened. And then, of course, by the third time, Penn State was totally prepared for it. Wadley and Daniels have a combined 16 rushing touchdowns, and they're averaging combined about 145 yards rushing a game. And, and yet, I was rushing game on offense, just like it has been rushing defense, has been 
very inconsistent. And then you have Bethard, who who does not look even remotely close to the same player he looked like last year. And Ference and Davis can say, you know, that he's just fine and he's healthy and all those other things. I don't know whether it's mental now or both, but he obviously is skittish back there. He's struggling in almost everything he's doing. He's certainly not running as much as he used to. He's now been sacked 24 times. Michigan has 30 sacks on the year, and they spread those around among about seven different players who are terrific defenders. What do you expect out of Bether this Saturday? Why should fans expect to see anything different than what they've been seeing? Well, it's hard to expect anything different when you know it's not going to be different. And I don't, I'm kind of drifted from that skeptical to cynical almost on offense, which is, you know, okay, they, they uh, added Adrian Faulkner to the rotation, and, you know, I mean, it's, it, you can't expect somebody like that to be a miracle worker because if he is then you'll ask well why wasn't he out there earlier this season um cj bethard is to me appears not to be as healthy as he was last year and last year he was not healthy for most of the season but what he was able to do was run uh, make a few different changes here and there but now he, he looks like whether when he had off-season surgery then when he was when he would that seemed to hinder him the uh the the hernia surgery and then you know he had a sprained knee so you know anytime that he was trying to get into shape it was really hard for him to get there and then and now he's just you know he's missing with with Vandenberg out and with Kittle still you know kind of recovering or working through a foot injury I mean the top six receivers from last year aren't even there anymore so these younger guys haven't stepped up um, so he's he doesn't have the time nor does he have the openings he doesn't even have a chances to throw these plays and and stuff and, and they're not giving him those long routes you know the last year they'd break away to Von Smith once in a while and they haven't thrown the ball more than you know 15 yards of regularity i had one person on twitter point out that iowa uh, only 10 percent of iowa's passing route their throws this year have been 20 plus yards whereas even pro style teams like michigan and, and wisconsin are in the 17 18 percent range you know when you don't have any speed it's really hard you're just go- working up the field grinding and uh, they don't have the offensive line to keep that up so i think it's really hurt bethard and as a result it's hurting the passing offense in receiving riley mccarron's leading the team among active receivers and I think it says a lot when Akron Wadley is your number two uh, leader in terms of reception. you still got Kittle there. He's hobbled. Hopefully if you're an Iowa fan, he's healthier this weekend. Germanic Smith is, is looking like he's inching, you know, based on the passing game, I'd say inching towards becoming something more significant in the passing game. I, I laughed when I heard Jim Harbaugh talking on the Big Ten conference call this week after they held a Maryland team to three points in the entire game Apparently, they took criticism on their of their defense because they had trouble on a few plays con- containing the edge. So, I don't know. I guess uh, most fans and most coaches would be happy if you were complaining about troubles containing the edge when you hold the other team to three points. But when you look at, at Michigan's leading defenders, and there are seven in particular that are pretty outstanding. There's more than that that are really, really good. But their linebacking core is, is terrific. Ben Gideon, Jabril Peppers, who's like a hybrid linebacker, but he also does all kinds of other things, offense, special teams. Mike McCray, talk about those key defenders that Iowa fans should look for Saturday on the Michigan side of the field. Well, yeah, you first you start off with uh, Jabril Peppers. He is the real deal. There's nobody better than him, and maybe in the country at any position, just simply because he's so he's active. I mean, he's he's a bulked up safety. He's kind of like imagine like Chris Kirksey, uh, who played for Iowa a few years ago, but just a much you know an athlete like Charles Wood. 
Woodson. I mean, that's kind of what you're looking at with this guy. He, you know, he plays both sides of the ball. He's, he's amazing on both areas. It's just, uh, you know, it's just outstanding. And then you have, you know, some other guys on there. You know, guys like Taco Charlton has been there forever. Ben Gideon in the middle. Chris Wormley is one of the best defensive linemen in the country. Delano Hill is a starter, and he's an original Iowa commit. He's a safety, and uh, you know, then once Michigan got into the fray of things, this, I think this was still under the Brady Hoke era. You know, he bolted, and then you have Brian Glasgow, also a defensive tackle. So, I mean, these guys are. This is the Michigan type defense we used to see all the time back in you know the Lloyd Carr and Bo Schembechler era. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all that they're providing themselves with some sort of critique over how they defended the run on the perimeter against Maryland because they want to get better. Their eyes aren't just beating Maryland and beating Iowa and uh, teams like that. I mean, their eyes are. They've got Michigan. They got Ohio State in two weeks. Uh, they got a Big Ten championship game potentially afterwards and maybe a uh, date with Alabama. They have to get better in those areas. So it's not that they're looking past anybody. They just figure if they can, against teams that they can beat decisively, go do it. Be be as perfect as they can because they know Ohio State's going to hit them on the perimeter. And, uh, you know, and other other teams will as well. So, but this this defense is as good as we've seen. I, I can't tell you the last defense. I mean, you know, Michigan State three years ago was really good and they really held Iowa in check and I think this one's better. I think this one's in the neighborhood of what we saw, say, 10 years ago with Michigan when they were ranked second in the country um, all the way down to the end. You mentioned Chris Wormley, but along the defensive line, they also have some other outstanding players, Chase Winovich, Maurice Hurst, and my favorite name on the entire Michigan team, Taco Charlton. <laughs> yeah, Taco's been around for a while. You know, it's just, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if it's Taco Bell, you know, <laughs> the way he plays, he's just so, he's so consistent. And then you got a guy like Rashawn Gary, who's the number one recruit in the country, and he's working in and inside and stuff. So, I mean, this, this defense is so good and, and it's active and physical. It's everything you'd expect from Michigan, but kind of forgot about <laughs> over the years. And then here you, here they are, you know, just uh, a dominant, dominant unit. After this break, Scott and I continue our breakdown of the Iowa-Michigan matchups on defense and special teams, and we talk some Big Ten Conference. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319 848 4191 or toll free at 1 800 383 7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319 848 4191 or toll free at 1 800 383 7663. Let's flip the page now, look at Iowa's defense versus Michigan's offense. Again, some numbers to start off with. Michigan has the, is number one in the Big Ten in total offense. Iowa's number nine in total defense. Michigan's number two in the Big Ten in rushing offense. 
Iowa is number 10 in rushing defense and passing. Wolverines are number 4. The Hawks are number 12 scoring. Michigan 1, Iowa 4, and then so forth and so on. So the stats are maybe a little bit better in terms of the defensive, offensive matchup for Iowa, but not much. It's a it's an extraordinarily productive offense for Michigan. Yeah, it's, that's to me, is probably the biggest surprise of the bunch. I thought they would be awesome on defense, and they are. I thought they'd be capable on offense, and they're better than that. And that's, to me, kind of a surprise. I mean, Wilton Speech is a guy who, you know, you just thought was a guy. You know, quarterback, okay. You know, Jake Rudock type, well, he's probably a little bit more productive than Jake was. I'm not so sure he's great or anything, but he's just not, you know, he, he's really taken that role and, and it succeeded with it. Now, what I kind of wonder about with Michigan is, is a lot of their success predicated on the fact that their defense is so good that their offense is the recipient of that. And I think there's some truth, but I, I also look at, you know, even against bad teams, 78 to nothing, putting 49 on Penn State, which we saw was pretty good, um, putting on 45 on Colorado, which at the time you kind of wondered, is that a bad game for Michigan? Well, Colorado might be the best or second best team in the Pac-12. And, you know, then you look at the other games that are just pounding teams and, and you just, uh, you know, it, it's, it's because they've got a good offensive unit. They've got good skill position players. You know, you've got uh, fullback Khalil Hill, who's, who has nine touchdowns and 34 total yards. Just amazing. Amara Darbo at wide receiver. West of my Dowling kid uh, left the state. Now it's, I think, second yards per catch in the Big Ten. Jake Butt, who's maybe the best prospect at uh, tight end in the country, or at least in the Big Ten. they got four different running backs that have rushed for 400 yards, um, including uh, Karan Higdon, a guy who left Iowa at the altar last year on signing day. So they've got, you know, and then you throw in uh, Jaleel Peppers when he decides, hey, I want to run the ball or get involved. He does. So they've got a pro-style attack. They'll attack you in multiple different ways. They have a great scheme. This is a team, and then they got a big physical offensive line, one that wasn't very good the last time they came in, but is, is exceptional now. So this line is, is full of really good players, and, uh, and, and that is the whole offense. You mentioned Spate, their quarterback. He's completing nearly 65% of his passes, 15 passing touchdowns. He's averaging 228 yards a game through the air. And you mentioned Darbaugh, who's his favorite receiver. He already has six touchdowns. But let's go back to their running game a minute. We always have talked all season and long about Iowa's two-headed monster at running back in terms of LaShawn Daniels and Akram Wadley. Well, Michigan has four-headed, and you could argue five-headed, because they've got Karan Higdon, who you mentioned. Davion Smith is actually their leading rusher statistically. They've got Chris Evans and Ty Isaac, and between them, they've scored 21 rushing touchdowns, those four. And then, as you mentioned, Jabril Peppers is, is also in there. He scored three rushing touchdowns. He averages nearly 17 yards a carry. Yeah, They've got seven, or they've got uh, what is it? Six different guys that with at least three touchdowns on the ground. They've got you know four guys who who have 400 yards. You got they throw on Peppers and Eddie McDoom who have uh, 150 each. And then as I mentioned, you know Khalil Hill, nine touchdowns and uh, 34 yards. So he's a short yardage back, and it's just it's an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> There's so many different guys there that are that are in just you know, and then I can understand why they want to make sure to uh, you know get everybody involved. 
involved. It seems to be a fun offense. It seems to be a fun uh, team, and they're they're doing everything they can to kind of make sure everybody gets involved. And I think that's been helpful and healthy for them. I mean, you know, running back, you look at uh, you look at these guys, and you don't think um, you know any none of them are in the top ten. I mean, Wadley and Daniels are both in the top ten for rushing yards. However, they're they're all just so active, and it, so to me, it's it's a scary team because you somebody gets a little dinged up, somebody you know isn't getting the job done, you bring in somebody else, and and uh, they all rush for you know every every single player who's rushed for at least 160 yards or whatever 150 yards has a, a yard per carry at least 5.2, and that's that's the Davion Smith, their their leader. Well, the good news for Iowa, I guess you could say, is they can't have six running backs in the backfield at the same time, and Spate, unlike last week when they faced Penn State and their terrific dual threat quarterback. Spate's not a runner. He's only run 22 times all season. So like you said, it's more of a pro style offense. It's what Iowa practices against every day in terms of its defense. So at least there's some familiarity there, but not the talent level, obviously. On the Iowa side of the ball here defensively, Josie Jewell continues to lead the Big Ten in tackles. Jaleel Johnson has finally been coming on, I think, in some of the recent games. He now has five and a half sacks and six and a half tackles for loss. And the Nelson Law Firm, Matt and Anthony, have, have played really well pretty much all season long. What do you see in terms of what are the keys for the Iowa defense versus this offense? Any hope at all? They have to get a little bit of pass rush. Last week, they really didn't. Last week, going against that Penn State unit, they attacked the perimeter. They attacked certain players in space. Uh, they knew who, you know, they, they figured if they could block here, 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 and here, and our guy can beat that guy. And that's what they did so many different times. I mean, Iowa needed to secure the perimeter. They never did. And Iowa needed to be fundamentally sound, and it wasn't. It wasn't by a long stretch against Penn State against the run. I mean, 359 yards is an embarrassment. I mean, that's 200 yards beyond what you call a, an average performance. And, and Saquon Barkley is a good running back. He's better than just about anybody they've played this year. But the fact is, that's still an embarrassing performance. So I, I think what Iowa needs to do is be fundamentally sound gap and, and show gap integrity along their perimeter. Whoever has contain has to make sure they have it. The defensive ends got sucked in all night long. Weak side linebacker got beat repeatedly over and over and over and over again. Josie Jewell played okay. I mean, he had a lot of tackles, but that's kind of a dubious stat Sometimes he's on the field a lot. That's why he had a lot of tackles. So you, and then the safety play was struggled for the uh, what ninth straight game. I think it is. Um, they played nine games, so nine straight games. So they beat them, you know, through the middle. They beat them in space. And those are some areas that you know Iowa needs to make a lot of strides in um, from last Saturday. And I think it's wishful thinking to think it's all going to happen. They, they, but principally to keep the score down, they have to make sure up front that they are gap, they are gap secure, that they you know, are where they need to be on each and every play. Containment in the gap, fighting with the offensive linemen to ensure that gives them a shot at, at uh, the, from the second level of stopping the run. Likewise, they're going to have to be in the right position on pass plays. I, I think, it, you know, Des King got beat real, you know, real early, but had a decent game by and large. But, uh, you know, the corners have to play pretty well. But it comes down to safety play. Safeties aren't filling in the gaps. They haven't all year. You know, they missed a lot of uh, players in space that was their guy and, and they've gotten beaten, you know, repeatedly over and over and over.
over again in pass coverage. So they need to get better at safety, and I don't see it happening, but I guess you can wish, and maybe it will. That has been an issue all season. Brandon Snyder often looks like he's more interested in trying to make the big hit, maybe create a turnover than he does in terms of wrapping up tackles. And Miles Taylor looks clueless about half the time back there. And then there's still this puzzling issue of, of the one of the linebacker slots where Bo Bauer continues to start. He's been inconsistent. Some games he's good. Some games he, he looks just awful. And and then you have a guy like Aaron Menz who's completely disappeared. That's the baffling thing to me, John. I mean, you know, you, you see everybody in the stadium and everybody who watches these games on TV I can see where the issues are. I mean, maybe they don't know, you know, okay, this, four, this safety got beat in this coverage. Maybe they don't understand whose responsibility it was or, or what have you, but they can see it when players get beat repeatedly in state. And so you wonder, is there anybody better? And if there isn't, that's an indictment of the coaching staff not having anybody prepared or recruited that can take that spot. And we've seen the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. And you look at, as you mentioned, weak side linebacker. I mean, Aaron Menz was on the depth chart going to the fall. Apparently he's fallen from grace. You know, he's playing a little bit here and there, but not much. He's certainly not playing a weak side linebacker. You got, you know, Jack Hockaday is down to number two there. He played in the opener almost the whole way when Josie Jewell was out for targeting. And why not give him a shot? You know, he's a recruitable kid. You know, give him a shot. See what he can do. Same thing with Imani Jones. He's a true freshman. They play a lot on special teams. They liked him a lot. They actually considered him for that spot. Well, why is it when they go into the season that they look at these players and think, okay, you're our guy, you know, until the season's over with? That's kind of what it looks like. Same thing in safety. You know, Miles Taylor is, is can, you know, tends to be graded among the worst in the, in the country. And that's really, that really struggles. Uh, you know, and same Brandon Snyder, has, he's at least had some ups to go with his downs. I think there's something to work with there. But Miles has been really difficult all year long. He's really struggled. So you think, what's going to happen with, uh, you know, why not why not a Monty Hooker, you know, a, a true freshman? You're playing him on special teams. Why can't he step in and at least give it a shot? You know, is he going to be worse? Well, how much worse? Maybe maybe if you let him play a little bit, he'll figure it out pretty fast and be a, a contributor. That's why Iowa has such a huge problem with attrition, that they these guys have union cards. They don't get moved. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, um, I'm a backup here, and I'm going to leave. Well, the 2013 class, half, the 10 out of the 20 kids who signed on signing day are gone. That, that's your redshirt juniors and true seniors. You know, they, they lost half of them. You know, and you could say, well, maybe they weren't that good. Okay, well, then it means you didn't recruit very well. So I, I these these decisions are baffling to me. I hate to single out the kids because I don't like doing that, but but – after a while, it's like, hey, let's give this guy a shot and see what he can do because you're not getting the job done, you know. And uh, if players are, I'm sure they're feeling that way as well, and it's frustrating. And I know for fans, twice as frustrating. Yeah, this week in Kirk's presser, and a little bit last week in his segment in the bye week presser, the media was pressing him a little bit on on why so few personnel changes, and you didn't really get any answer other than the one you typically get from coaches, which is well based on practice. We're putting the people that out there that we think give us the best chances to. Succeed. Succeed. And you and I both asked defensive coordinator Phil Parker a week ago about the safety specifically and about their play and about their backups. And he did mention that Hooker's been coming on strong, but you still don't see him out there on the field. So just to leave Iowa fans with one last little statistic, the Wolverines have beaten their opponents by an average score this season of 47 to 8 to 10.7. So there you go. Yeah, which is more than Iowa averages of 26.6 points per game, the, the scoring margin. 
take a quick look at special teams. Iowa fans Saturday night are going to get a chance to see two of the most dynamic kickoff and punt returners in the nation. Of course, we all know about Desmond King if you live in Iowa and you follow the Hawkeyes. And then for Michigan, it's the guy again, Jabril Peppers. They could both be real keys in this game, but probably if you look at the bigger scheme of things, if King can get a return, big return, one or more, and maybe finally one of them for a touchdown, that could be really crucial if Iowa has any chance at all Saturday. Yeah, I mean, if you're Iowa, you'd hope that's early. You hope that's in the first quarter, you know, whether it's a punt or a kickoff, just because you're going to have a raucous crowd there at Kinnick. I mean, it's sold out. It's at night. People are going to be lubed up from their whole day, and it's it's uh, not going to be, it's going to be decent weather. So I think, uh, you know, if you can get something early positive, that the crowd can feed on that, and you, maybe you can stick around for a while. But, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Ryan Caluzzi's got a, you know, he's play, he played really well early on, and then since then has struggled a little bit. He said he's gone back and kind of observed some of his fundamentals and thinks he's got an edge now. So I think that's going to be important. But you know, Iowa's, uh, you know, they're they're going to have to, you know, be excellent on special teams and force Michigan to go the length of the field to score, you know, uh, against them. So I don't know if that's the, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if they can do that consistently. But I think I do think that Desmond King needs to bring the ball back and not in garbage time, not when it's, if it's they're down by 30 plus points in the third quarter that you know it's 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 irrelevant i think if it can happen make it happen soon so you can get the crowd involved and then that may feed the team for a while uh while they're trying to figure out what michigan does so well lucy's been really very good all season long both in kickoffs and punts but if you look at the stats the two teams going into saturday night's game are basically even in that regard other than touchbacks where Kaluzzi still leads the big 10 speaking of the big 10 quick glance there last week's results some interesting games. I mean, poor Michigan State looks almost hapless, and I guess if Iowa fans are frustrated, I imagine Spartan fans are, are a lot more frustrated. The Illini actually beat them last week. Ohio State and Nebraska, we all thought going into that weekend's game that that would be a key matchup to watch. Boy, Ohio State just pummeled them 62-3, to and Wisconsin defeated Northwestern in a game that we all thought would be interesting. This Saturday, you have Penn State at Indiana. Indiana is showing some resurgence, and then you got Minnesota at Nebraska, which is an interesting game in the Big Ten West. And then, of course, you have Michigan at Iowa. Big Ten thoughts? Well, you know, it's interesting. When you look at Ohio State, I mean, they played at home against Northwestern, and it was a four-point or four-point game or seven-point game. I mean, it was it was a really close competitive matchup. And so it, it didn't – it looked like – Ohio State, you know, wasn't wasn't invincible, and it certainly looked like Northwestern had a pretty good punch. Then the way they played against Nebraska, you wonder, okay, this is like um, Ohio State two years ago when they won the national title, and, and Nebraska must be dreadful. And then you remember that Nebraska went to Northwestern and won by you know double figures. So it's hard to figure out a lot of these things. But you know, I mean, I think of the two teams though, Iowa is probably the most disheartened between it and, and Nebraska simply because the way the offense is playing. You just there's not much there and that's the problem I mean at least Nebraska feels like they have some skill position players who can do some things with the ball in their hands so you know and then you look at Minnesota versus Nebraska I mean this is this is really sets up that who's, who's going to be able to contend for the Big Ten West title with Wisconsin the rest of the way I mean if Minnesota can pull this game off and then beat Northwestern then it sets up a winner take all game with, with Wisconsin to, to win the West and then you look at uh, you know Nebraska it's, it's kind of like okay well maybe if Wisconsin flips up and they could still crack that 
Big Ten title jinx. But you know, uh, you know, out east right now, I mean, there are three teams that are playing better than everybody else in the league: Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. And I think they're all New Year's Six bowl capable. And the way uh, Michigan is playing, uh, wouldn't surprise me at all if they're in the playoffs. And Penn State ends up in the Rose Bowl, and Ohio State ends up in the Orange Bowl. So it's a real, uh, you know, I think those three teams have separated themselves above everybody. And in the West, it's still kind of a mumble jumble. Everybody behind Wisconsin. Time for the pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to keep a straight face with some of this stuff here this week but uh, i'm just guessing here stab in the dark that all all of the picks from the hawkeyes mike group will be for michigan and if they're not we should probably do some drug tests but what is your thinking about uh, the outcome and the score on saturday night well this won't be my final score this is you know you, you try to actually think okay what's a scenario that could maybe happen that i was in contention that could possibly pull it off and could do different things. And I mean, to me, it's kind of what we talked about on the special teams is if Desmond King can bring back a, a kickoff or a punt early and score, give Iowa, say, a 7 to nothing lead, you know, early in the first quarter, then I think uh, that'll sustain the crowd for a little while and it'll energize the team. If Iowa could stop the run consistently, I think that they can hang around for a while. Likewise, I think if Iowa can hit a couple of big passes, you know, I, the, the thing is with me, for me, is this: there's so much, you know, there's so much momentum or in the, within Kinnick Stadium on Saturday night. There's going to be a lot of uh, energy. The problem is it can turn really negative quick if Michigan goes out and scores on its first three possessions and it's 21 and nothing going into the second quarter. Then that can turn into booze. That can turn into a lot of different bad things. I think in this case, you know, just objectively, I, I've got Michigan winning 41 to nothing. I don't know that Iowa can score on them. I don't know that Iowa can get past midfield without help from a turnover or a long kick return. But obviously, I hope it's closer than that because I think if you do that, the season's already been kind of sour and it can go south from beyond this. Forecast for tomorrow, a few sprinkles of genius for the chance of doom. A dominant performance tonight. For the Nittany Lions of Penn State, James Franklin's squad against an Iowa team that came in at 5-3 and 3-2 three and three and in league play. Penn State took care of them in quick fashion. An opening drive touchdown for the Nittany Lions, and they never looked back on way to a 41-14 win. Just a reminder, you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawkeyes. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, Medium, and Facebook.
Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and thanks as always to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Overcast, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting Iowa athletics for 10 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.